0: visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, and
2: welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders in their organizations to identify the trends that will most likely disrupt their businesses and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage those trends to create strategic advantage. We help organizations learn to build innovation into the DNA of their leaders, cultures, and systems. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author of an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member of universities in the U.S. and in Germany. Today, I am delighted that our guest is Chris Cooper. Chris helps leaders and teams to elevate the performance of their businesses people and themselves through consultancy, master classes, coaching, interviewing, speaking and broadcasting. He hosts the Business Elevation radio show on Voice America, Be More Achieve More, and he's done that for 5 years and has listeners in 50 countries. So he has built his in addition to his expertise in doing the work he's done, also has the opportunity to learn from brilliant leaders through these conversations. So he speaks at events about engagement, starting with you, the power to get things done, and elevate yourself via online radio. He's the co-author of The Power to Get Things Done, Whether You Feel Like It or Not, and he has 25 years of multifunctional business experience, including seven years with Mars Confectionery. He's a former regional president of the Professional Speakers Association. So, this show, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, my goal in creating the show was to have a platform for leaders to listen to what's emerging and give an opportunity for everyone to hear new information weekly that you can put into practice. So I talk about leaders needing to innovate how they lead and or innovate how they think about leadership. And so my hope is that you hear something every week that you're able to try out. And I'm sure you will with Chris this week. So whether you run your own business or work for someone else, you've probably got a lot on your plate. Along with the portion of your work that you feel truly like doing and would prefer doing there's also a fair amount for most of us that we'd rather not do with many businesses failing in their first few years failure to do some of those things may actually lead to business failure today you'll learn how to turn good intentions into action so that you can be as successful as possible in the work you do so chris welcome thank you for
3: joining us thank you it's an absolute pleasure maureen to join you today so tell us a little bit about where you come from and what inspired you to do the work you're doing. Uh, well, you may may notice I have an English accent. So I'm based over in the United Kingdom. I I came from a steel town in the north of England uh, called Scunthorpe. Uh, and um, I guess my first intention was to get out of there and, and move <laughs> to somewhere, <laughs> somewhere more um, more exciting, but I find myself living in Leicestershire in the the middle of, uh, of England, uh, and uh, I, I work for, as you mentioned, big organizations, and uh, then I, after leaving Mars and then United Biscuits, and I worked for a pop company, I then went on and set up my own company, which was a consultancy, and we were very successful, we, we grew it to I know, maybe um, $5 million, something like that in turnover in a few years. And uh, I decided to have a life change at that point. I was never at home, never seeing my children uh, and uh, wanted to, I look back at my life and I decided that I wanted to focus it on doing what I loved most, which was really working with people and helping them to sort of develop and grow and helping them grow their companies by uh, you know, expanding the thought of their leaders and developing engaging teams and that sort of thing. So, uh, that's where, where I am. So,
2: you your company is Chris Cooper Business Elevation. What is business elevation?
3: So, business elevation is the the idea of really taking your business to the next level. Uh, and I know that you talk about that on your your show, Maureen. And sometimes that's you know an ex- expansion in consciousness. Uh, as well as an expansion in in doing things, um, and I think where we fit in really within that framework is obviously through by radio show we cover you know aspects of business, um, all many aspects of business to help you grow your 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 skills, but also your um, psychology and your thinking to shift to the next uh, next level. Um, but but as a an organisation, what we what we tend to find ourselves focused on particularly is around uh, the. You know, creating organisations that are attractive for people to join, and helping in the re- retention and development of those people by running, um, by running all sorts of different programmes to help them develop, grow, be more engaged, learn specific skills, um, but but move move together to another level.
2: It seems like such important work right now in times of change, to be able to attract and retain the top talent.
3: I think so, and I think when you you know when i talk to people and i talk to businesses and i see what is the you know what is the fundamental problem that uh, that we address because it's quite i don't know if you found this more in with your business but actually getting to the nub of, of what you do and why you do it and why people buy it i think is quite quite important and when i talk to people you know that is a a fundamental issue for them and and actually i really i really believe i remember somebody once saying to me um, i was leaving I just started a job, so I was a, I was a graduate and this um, sales director was about to retire and he he came up to me and he said, Chris, I'd love to leave. You're just a, a message for you. He said, you're just starting your career and I'm just ending mine. I said, and there's one thing I'd like to share with you. Are you happy that I do so? And I said, yeah, sure. And he said, Chris, people are everything. And although we wouldn't necessarily always, we may not necessarily always agree with that, but the reality is, though, we're we're, we're people, human beings living on this planet, and and companies and organisations are 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 there to uh, need need people. Um, but they're also there to employ people, um, to help them grow and add value to other people. And I think people is a really, you know, is a really really important component of business and being able to attract them into our company and bring the best talent in and retain them and develop them to deliver more is, and and more authentically and well, I think is really important today.
2: I absolutely agree. Um, So let's talk about, you've done now 250 radio shows. How does that connect to the work of Business Elevation?
3: That's a really really good question. I, I think I think for me, in terms of connecting, what it does is it provides a tremendous archive of content for my clients and also a, a tremendous way to research and learn. And often people you know out there selling services in the sort of areas that we work Maureen, but they're not really doing the research and really, really understanding what's out there and bringing the best knowledge and wisdom to their clients. So I think the Business Elevation Show, for me, it does that. Um, I love it as well. It energizes me at the end of every week when I when I do it. And I I feel so privileged to speak to the people like that, that I, I do. Um, I remember Dr. Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, the world's biggest networking organization, saying to me that, Chris, your 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 net work is your net worth. Um, I'm not sure whether that's exactly, you know, true. Um, but it certainly helps also to know great people and have great friends. And that also, I think, brings your consciousness and your thinking up. So, you know, it fits in very well with my business, I think, as a as a, as a, a, concept. And I find it very hard to stop doing it, if I'm honest.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, myself as well. And I love that you pull in the idea of research, that there are a lot of people doing what we do, and they're – by – the fact that they are not using solidly researched techniques or proven, so either university research or action research that I've worked with five CEOs and they've done these things and this is the, the nugget that comes out of that. It does seem foundational for people choosing a consultant to choose someone who is has a track record of consistent delivery of the
3: latest... Or the the most valid approaches. I think I think you're right. I think that's very very true. But you know, you learn some nuggets from doing this sort of thing, um, which I can be really profound and I think almost permeate beyond, you know, kind of academic research. I remember mm-hmm. I remember um, I interviewed uh, Marshall Ferber and Marshall was is a you Google him is a hugely successful man. And I remember at the end of the interview with him, he spent half an hour talking to me and finding out about me and you know this is a man who's um had enormous accomplishments in his life He's in his in his 70s now and, and i felt so special and I, and I asked him at the end of it i said to, you know marshall looking back on your career what is the single most important component when it comes to you know being successful and you know elevating your thinking and to another level and he said well the most important thing i have found chris is to be more interested than interesting
2: Hmm. I like that.
3: Uh, it, <coughs> you
2: know. It's hard to imagine 250 hours of interviews, which means 500 or thousands of hours prep, follow up, all of that. It, it seems like there are people who get PhDs with fewer hours of
3: research. It is just like doing a, it's like paying to do a, a PhD mm-hmm. or an MBA or something, isn't it? It um, is. So what you, know, you, you know, what you do, do though is with through doing this is you do connect with a lot of people who you wouldn't have an opportunity to talk to otherwise and really learn from. Um, and I think that's that's quite important. And and also, of course, when you you develop relationships with people who potentially you might end up working with as well. So there's some there's some real practical reasons for, and valuable reasons for doing it too.
2: Mm-hmm. So you talked about using the radio shows with your clients. How do you do that?
3: Um, well, one of my clients, what they, an insurance company, what they did was they I decided to share the show out to their 1,200 insurance broker clients who were all growing their businesses. So they actually utilized the content and were promoting it and sharing it out there. Um, so that was one you know, one way of uh, them really utilising that that content. Um, so, also exploring other ways with uh, with people as well at the moment. But it's interesting. Somehow, people have taken quite you know proactive approach to sharing it.
2: Cool. So let's move from the radio show. We have about four more minutes in this segment to your book. You wrote a book called The Power to Get Things Done, whether you feel like it or not, with Dr. Steve Levinson, a clinical psychologist based in Minnesota. What inspired this book in collaboration?
3: Yeah, um, I um, was a couple of years into my business. This would be going back about eight years ago. And I had a, a tough point, uh, to be honest. I suddenly found that um, I'd had a, some projects I thought were going to come in. And I'd, um, I'd invest into my business and suddenly things, they didn't come in for reasons beyond my control. And I felt almost on my knees. I was really, really frustrated with myself. And, and what um, I realized um, was that what I was doing was I was doing the things that I like to do to run my business and not the things I, I didn't necessarily like doing that were also important to running the business. And a clinical psychologist called Dr. Stephen Levinson from America happened to send me, get in touch with me. He'd read something about me in America, and he sent me his book, which was called Following Through. And I realized in it that um, what I needed to do was to uh, put in place strategies to ensure I acted, whether I felt like it or not. And I, and I, I don't know about whether you ever felt this, but I, I remember leaving the corporate world. And I worked for some great companies and I had, had line managers, board meetings, appraisals, you know, sometimes in board meetings, I'd be finger pointing, I'd find myself accountable for things I hadn't even realised I was. And, and I got a bit tired with that. But I realised now at that point, looking back, that actually, those um, things that I'd found quite difficult had actually um, helped my performance up. And were actually my friends, um, rather than the way that I was seeing them. So, What's, what what Stephen and I decided to do was take his his principles, some of them, and um, and think them through more as to how, from a business perspective, could we really help more people to do some of the things that were important, uh, whether they actually felt like it or not, um, because often we procrastinate, things get in the way, we don't um, we don't get all of those things done, um, but it, but you know by not doing something, um, it could have had a fundamental impact on your business, you know by. Kodak getting into digital early on. That could have had a huge impact on their business. So we decided to look at this whole area uh, and write a book about it uh, and to to help people to overcome what appears to be a very common problem.
2: Thank you. So I look forward to, after break, talking more about what are these things that stop people from getting things done, because it sounds like a fascinating book and really important for all of us, including myself, because I spend time on the radio shows because I love doing this. But there are other things I don't do as rigorously as I need to or should. And I'm sure that impacts my success as well. So I'd love to hear what you learned and, and what you're sharing in your book. So we will be right back. This is Maureen Metcalf and Chris Cooper. And we're talking about... The Business Elevation Show and Chris's book, The Power to Get Things Done. We'll be back momentarily.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit metcalf-associates.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at Metcalf-Associates.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, our guest is Chris Cooper, and he's talking about his book, The Power to Get Things Done, Whether You Feel Like It or Not. So, Chris, before break, you told us a little bit about the book. Let's dive in now to one of the key questions I have. What is it that stops us from getting things done? Mm -hmm.
3: Well, I think I think some of it, Maureen. Um, you know, this world. I know you talk about this on on your show a lot. Is that you know the, the world is moving very quickly. There's continuous kind of change. There's a lot of activity. There's sometimes, you know, more you know more people, sorry, less people doing more work. And I think there are a number of things. There's one thing that we describe as goo, and uh, that goo is is all of this noise, you know, social media and. Um, you know, kind of requirements from this expanding, growing uh, world, which sometimes just mean we can't see the the wood from the trees. We just feel, you know, overloaded with all of this weight. I don't know. Do you ever feel like that, Maureen, yourself?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I joke frequently that I am not as balanced as I would like to be. So yeah, I get, well, especially in writing, I can get so engaged in that, that I, then I look at my to-do list, it's the end of the day and I realize I haven't made the progress I needed to.
3: Well, I wonder if, you know, some of that as well, I, I think the, another point is that we've got, you know, we have so much freedom sometimes to do things and, uh, and and so many opportunities to do things that, you know, that freedom can be a problem, particularly with this, uh, you know, maybe a small business owner, um, one of the things I used to do when I was when I was leading teams in corporate organisations, sometimes I realised looking back on it is I sometimes gave people too much freedom, uh, in that they some people actually wanted more direction and you know specifics, do this, do that, because that was in their nature and style. But if you you know sometimes give people you know endless freedom, they might not be doing the things that are really important to move the business forward. Um, and therefore, I think there's a you know a balance there. I think sometimes we just you know, we're really poor. Some of us, when it comes to self-discipline, uh, I think uh, social media can be one of those examples where you know you do maybe writing something that oh I must do a Facebook or I must do a Twitter or I must just check LinkedIn. You know, you you get you get you 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 move away from what you really ought to be doing. I remember a, a few years ago, my wife uh, was out. I, I was writing a proposal. I just got quite bored with the proposal. I borrowed her iPad. And I went into um, my living room and I started playing Angry Birds, and I just, ha- and I just happened to put this music track on um, by some r- rock band, um, which a CD a friend of mine had lent me, and, and over the speaker came the words, and there I am, uh, playing Angry Birds like a million other stupid nerds. Oh no, I've about it again. Um, I think fear can get in the way as well. Uh, we, we, we call it the avoidance monster, you know, just tiptoeing around, making, making those cold calls or things that you feel uncomfortable, Ringing that senior person up who you you feel nervous about. I think people also in businesses, we, we often put people into roles where they're completely out of their natural flow. Uh, so I think that can be a fundamental issue as well. Important to put people into the right roles, um, doing the things they're able to do easily without having to raise their energy. There are just some tasks as well that just make us go, oh, you know, oh, tax returns for me, um, things like that. So a huge amount of things I think can get in the way of us doing the things that we really need to do. Uh, and often these things, though, are actually really quite important.
2: So what do you do about it? Other than, you know, buck up and get over it. I'm, I'm assuming that that's not sufficient for a book, so you must have better ideas than that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, well, the first thing I just want to say to people um, is forgive yourself. So this is a common issue for almost everybody that I speak to, and there are a few people who have learned how to become really good at getting things done, and and it becomes a, a subconscious process. But not many. What I've realised is that really successful people is that they develop strategies to ensure they get these things done. Um, so I, I think forgive yourself um, you know our minds were were you know developed over you know thousands upon thousands of years and and I don't think really the caveman was particularly worried about his long-term business strategy his mind wasn't or, or technology as it is today it was more about doing the things that would protect him um, you know shelter and looking after the family and getting food food to eat um, so you know people naturally will will avoid Uh, pain and they will naturally subconsciously move towards pleasure. So what we have to do, though, is, is you know, interrupt that natural cycle to make sure we get the things done and overcome the um, urge to do something else or to, um, you know, avoid uh, the uh, the task that we need to get done.
2: How do you how do you disrupt that cycle? Because I, too, will go to LinkedIn or something it's just where I used to walk down the hall and talk to somebody, if I'm working from home, there is nobody other than my dog. So I I get on LinkedIn or I get on yeah Twitter or something that, that contributes to the business, but it's it takes me away from my core activity, often an activity I'm not delighted to do.
3: And those dogs are not really very helpful at keeping you to account, are they?
2: <laughs> no, my dog would be happy if I never looked at my computer again just played with her full-time
3: <laughs> well I think the first thing Maureen that you have to do is you've got to get really really clear about your intentions so get clear about those things that are, are really really important and you know you could you could refer to this as goal setting um I, I like to think it's important to be clear about your vision about where you're heading and then the the intentions that you have you know take you towards that vision whatever it may be so I refer to these as intentions and we do in the book because, you know, it might be that for one person it's that intention is about growing their business to $10 million or whatever it is or a hundred million for somebody else. It might actually be the, the the thing that would make a huge difference to them is they, if they just tidied their house up. Um, so what I think is, is important to do is get very clear in your business, in your work, uh, outside of work as well, what are those important things that would make the biggest difference while you're at work and doing work and the biggest difference for you at home, whether it's also be, you know, health and fitness and, you know, for some people, spirituality, you know, managing your finances, that sort of thing, and get clear about what are those intentions that would really, really make a difference. Because what I'd love for people is one day that you sit back with your, your slippers on you know, drinking a mug of tea or coffee, you're reflecting on your life and you're able to look back and enjoy it all over again and be proud of mm. what you've achieved. So I think it's important to use your time well. So get really, really clear about those intentions. Take the time to sit and write them down, work on them until you're very clear that that's what I want to do over the next, you know, one, two or three years or, or whatever that may be. Uh, and identify those, um, those key components. That's the first thing.
2: So then, so I actually do have the that list, and I review it often, uh, theoretically every day, but not exactly. Um, what do you recommend? Because even though I may have an intention to work out, that doesn't necessarily move my rear
3: end from the sofa to the treadmill. Well, the, well, the next the next thing I think is that you have to take those intentions really 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 seriously and find ways to focus on that uh, on that sort of seriousness so um, we'll talk in a minute about how you put lots of power behind them as well but I think um you know what you're doing there is that you are you know you're well on the way you've identified some intentions that are, in, that are important um and you and you're looking at them um I think uh, it's important to keep reminding yourselves of the self of those intentions I think it's also important not to have too many because I think people overload if you know people can think about you know maybe seven or eight but beyond that um, it's too much so get clear at maybe what are the you know, six really important intentions that you have uh, you know maybe put them on your wall put them on your phone um, write them down and review them regularly um, they should be you know linked into your purpose in your life so that you feel some real kind of resonance with them but then on top of that, I think you have to then uh, put, you know, let me give you an example of someone I think you took in intention really seriously. I interviewed Jack Canfield on my show. Did, um, I guess you're probably familiar with Jack. Yeah,
2: Chicken and, Soup for
3: the Soul guy. Yeah, Chicken Soup for the Soul, 500 million copies of that book. Wow. Um, he, um, he, they, him and uh, Mark Victor Hansen, they wanted that uh, to be a really successful book, but they kept getting rejected by publishers. They had 140 uh, rejections, but they oh. took their intention so seriously that in the end what they did is they found out how many books they would have to sell to be able to um, get it published. And the publisher, publisher said, well, about 20,000, I think it was. So mm-hmm. what they did is they underwrote in the end that uh, that um, those books and said, we will pay you the money if we don't sell them. And, and as a consequence of that, they then went on and it became the the best-selling um, self-development series in history. It's even part of the Chinese state curriculum, but they took it very seriously. Um, and what they'll have also done on top of that, which, which is the, the next kind of key thing, is you've got to put some strategies in place to mean that you can't wiggle out. Um, that mm-hmm. it, so we can chat about some strategies if you want.
2: Yeah, I'd love to hear, and maybe give us some examples of what you do in your life, just yeah. to make them more concrete.
3: Yeah. So let me. Shall we? Shall we talk about the exercise one? Yes. So, so let's do that one. as that as you as you mentioned that? Because that's a, that's a problem for a lot of people. And I think I think people when they work in organisations, the really smart organisations have got appraisals and board meetings and line managers reviewing performance and um, you know setting up people to go and do presentations, for example, because it takes a project further. But often with those people, they slip up outside of work mm-hmm. and because they've not got anybody holding them to account or they've not got a strategy. And I think health can be, can be one of those. So I think what I've done with, um, with my, my health is I realise I look at the picture of my kids uh, and I realize I've got young children, they're seven and 11. And I know that I can't play with them and, and keep up with them if I don't keep fit. So I know I'm partly doing it for them. It's not just for me. Um, I also have a sports watch that I find really helpful as well and I, and I have a an app on my phone so I put in information into the app uh, and, I, and I have sort of daily steps and that sort of thing that I want to achieve. Um, I've also got my wife now she also holds me to account and gives me a hard time if I don't do what I say I'm going to do with the exercise. So I pretty much exercise maybe five days a week now and I feel really really great and energized. I also know when I think about it that I, I actually add value more to my clients if I'm I'm fit and energized as well. So I've built this whole story and system around me keeping fit. Um, other, th- other examples of people that I've also spoken to around this, a couple that I, I remember for the for the book were um, a guy called Alistair Campbell um, I was talking with. He has a company called the Ideal Marketing Company. And Alistair wanted to lo- lose a few pounds, in fact, a few stone, I think. And he He wrote a check out for 500 pounds to a political party that he couldn't stand. And he gave it to a friend of his and said, if at the end of October, I've not achieved the weight that I said I would, I want you to post it to the political party, which had also registered him in this country as being a political donor, his company to that political party. And that was enough for him to turn up in October, having lost the (laughs) weight, (laughs) 500 pounds better off. Another cool one on that one was somebody who um, decided to, he wasn't using his gym membership enough, so he hired a locker with his local gym, and he kept his only deodorant in it. So if he didn't go, <laughs> didn't go to the gym, he would then stink when he got to work.
2: <laughs> so, so it sounds like we need to find almost the ways to trick ourselves into doing it.
3: We, we do, we absolutely do. We have to trick that subconscious mind of ours that's maybe taking us towards you know pleasure and, uh, and, and find ways of um, making that uh, you know, mind not wiggle out of the things that we, we need to do. Um, and so I think some of those things about taking it serious, more seriously, those intentions, the next thing, and, and creating a whole story around it uh, and, and situations. So situations that will enable, will do the heavy lifting for you Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's what's kind of important, I think. And I realize that people have created all sorts of strategies when I talk to them to overcome that desire to do something else.
2: You know, it's funny. I'm, I am also a bit nerdy, especially with the measurement. So I've got the sports watch and I'm often walking late at night because I'm short on steps. So, so (laughs) I'm glad I have people on the other coast that I can get on the phone and have a phone call, and that's kind of my catch-up time. So I multitask, but it it is there's some inherent I can't fail thing, but I, I still haven't prioritized it, so I do it during daylight always.
3: Well, I find doing it first thing in the morning actually the best as well because then that, that sets me up for the day. And I also see it as being work time because I think about work while I'm doing it and planning for the day ahead. So I, I know the hard thing, though, is getting started and getting that momentum going. But, uh, you know, if you if you fit it into your lifestyle and make it part of your lifestyle and you have all of these systems and mechanisms that get you over the line, uh, then, you know, I, I found it works. What I do find sometimes is I might have a month when suddenly it slips, I get ill or get a cold or something like that. And, uh, and uh, I go back to looking at my intentions and I get started again. So, you know, that's OK. It happens to us all.
2: So that's where the forgiveness comes in, right? That I, I realize I got off track, and tomorrow's a new day, and I can start over.
3: Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I find as I get as I get a bit older, that I have to be, I have to be, I have to be fitter. Mm-hmm. And do what I do. And you know, if I stand on the stage and talk to people, I'm shortchanging them if I'm feeling tired. So, I, you know, it's part of it's part of um, my toolbox now. You
2: know, it is for me as well. I uh, lost a fair amount of weight a year or so ago, and I don't want to go back to that person. I want to remain more vital, and it gets harder as we get older, so I just don't want it to get away from me. And you're right, it's, it is completely connected to my sense of life purpose. I can't do what I do if I'm not healthy and completely energized
3: yes well well uh, when we get after after the break i'll share i'll share some more with you they've got some really great examples that people have used to do some amazing things uh, including um the world ultramarathon record holder um so yeah i'll share a few of those after and some business ones as well
2: Perfect. So you are with Chris Cooper and Maureen Metcalf, innovative leaders driving thriving organizations. And Chris is talking about the specifics of how do we get things done that we don't love doing. We'll be right back after commercial break.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit metcalf-associates.com.
0: by. Search Voice America at your favorite app store.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero, Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, our guest is Chris Cooper, and we are talking about the power to get things done, whether you feel like it or not. So, Chris, before break, you were talking about the setting of intentions and then creating processes that kind of force us into doing the thing we said we want to do, such as fitness. Can you give us
3: a few more examples? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think um, I, I think it's, there's a number of different um, you know fun examples that people have created. But you know, I think we should we should also say that you, you know you don't have to do everything yourself. you've got a small business, often you do. Um, but there are some things that you can simply buy help from other people so you know if you need um uh if if you for example areas of expertise that you're not great at buy that help that could be you know help you move an intention forward or in in an organization we can delegate to other people and delegate to people and who are more in their flow doing what you're you know what needs to be done for the task so there'll be some things where other people are better than you so you know they can be really, really important um, strategies as well. Um, but some um, you know some examples I would think firstly try and link in as we we talked about purpose. you know if there's something that you need to do try and link it in to your you know, your purpose in life or your your biggest goal in your sort of vision. I'll give you an example a friend of mine and um, Billy Schwer and um, Billy became a world champion boxer and Billy took attempts and uh, a lot of lot of pain to become a world champion boxer but he set himself a, a a sort of statement that really motivated himself through the really, really tough times um, he decided he wanted to become a world champion boxer because he used to get beaten up by his uh, by his twin sisters, her <laughs> elder sisters when he was a child and one day he said, enough's enough I can become a world champion boxer but he, he developed himself a little mantra which, uh, which was train or die, because he said, if I did not train every day, then I run the risk of, you know, dying uh, in the ring, which was which was a fact. Wow. So he trained harder and harder and harder because he knew that there was risk. So, you know, have a think about that intention that you have and thinking, how can I really maybe create a statement or just really something that helps me realize the severity of what I'm doing and the importance of it? Um, Another, I I, I like to talk about some sporting examples because people can relate to this and then relate back into work. But uh, another person I I interviewed, Andy McMenemy, Andy ran 66 ultra marathons in 66 cities on 66 consecutive days. And he finished it on his 50th birthday. Uh, And Andy uh, also actually uh, uh, tore his Achilles tendon, didn't snap it, but he tore it on the third day and became, I think, the first person to continue doing endurance running and, and an injury like that heal. Uh, and he, I said to him, how on earth did you get yourself over the pain and, and continue? And he said, it was simple, Chris, he said, I hung myself by my tongue. So I'd literally told that many people about what I was going to do that I just couldn't possibly let them down and, and fail. And I think that you know, having that peer pressure uh, can also help you get over the line my radio show one of my intentions i wanted to build a really great network and i wanted to add value to people beyond my client base and i'd set a, a vision of adding value to over a million people and i wasn't sure how i was going to do it at the time um, however locking myself into doing into a contract to do this radio show with voice america means i have to produce a, a weekly show and at one point i would have avoided that maureen and 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 it, you know, it's quite a tough thing, that thought of doing a show every single week. Um, but what it's done by locking myself into an agreement, it's actually given me more freedom and not less, because I have more freedom now to talk to people and connect with people around the world. um. as as a consequence of of locking myself into that agreement. So I've now, um, uh, I've I've done over 250 unique shows, or so it's about to come up actually, uh, 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 interviews. And I have this amazing network like you do, Maureen, around the world. And that show, locking myself into that agreement, enabled me to do it. Another favorite one of mine, um, Meta Block, twice world champion rower. uh, Meta's intention, she wanted to add more comedy into her speaking. As she's a, as she's a, a professional speaker, and what would you do, Maureen, if you wanted to add more comedy into your speeches?
2: Actually, I I ended up taking improv classes because I can be accused of being rather dull. So doing improv, I'm not sure I'm yet funny, but it it was for me the best
3: way to add some humor. What did she do? And um, what well, Meta did? Was she booked a 1635 seat conference hall in Tivoli Gardens, advertised um, herself to do a one woman stand up comedy show, sold out every single seat and then had five months to learn how to do stand up comedy. Oh, my goodness.
2: Yeah, that's like the deodorant in the locker, right?
3: (laughs) (laughs) She could not wiggle out of that. Um, brave to do it in the first place um but you know sometimes we just have to step out and lock ourselves into something to enable us to step up and apparently it was an enormous success and she absolutely loved it um as it helped that she was a celebrity in denmark to be able to attract that sort of number of people but uh, she's my kind of follow-through hero uh, from um from that respect that might be a big step for people so maybe um doing things one step at a time, Maureen, like like you did there with your improv class. That's a natural good next step, isn't it? To take you towards what you wanted to achieve. Um, I found joining the Professional Speaking Association, for me, around speaking in the UK and then eventually um, becoming a president of a region and, uh, and and those sorts of things. But going through that journey and being, you know, kind of in, in a situation where I had to do 10-minute and 5-minute, 20-minute speeches in front of colleagues who were then... Give me feedback on them, and then eventually I built up and end up speaking at a national com- regions and a national conference. And but over over six years, one step at a time, um, I move forward towards the intention of being a really engaging um, professional speaker who, who can engage an audience at at significant events. Um,
2: you know, that seems like one of the the important messages for people to hear. So I I have a life purpose. I set an intention. And it's
3: one step at a time, and it takes years often to accomplish these goals. There's a lovely quote that I like by Tony Robbins, and I I don't tend to listen to lots of Tony Robbins things, but I I just really love this one. And he said that people significantly overestimate what they can achieve in a year, but they significantly underestimate what they can achieve in 10. Mm. So, so that back to that
2: idea of just sometimes the, the the first step is the hardest, right? That once we get going and have a system and a process,
3: it's easier to keep showing up. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't know if you found this with the with the radio. I, I before I did my radio shows, I would I started to do some webinars, and the first one I ever did actually was around a, a book and it took me three months to pluck up the courage to do it and invite a few people along and then i did that and they came along and then i did some more and over about a year or so and then i remember having a a particular one that i interviewed a very interesting guy but he didn't really promote it well and three people turned up to listen live and i was feeling a bit disappointed and voice america at the same time had contacted me and said would you be interested in hosting a show so i i over about a few months we talked about it and i ended up doing it and and we, in the first 13 weeks of my show, we hit a, a, um, a record for the highest number of listeners in Voice America history for a new show. And in the first month, wow. we had 6,500 listeners. But I went from three listeners, uh, admittedly we shared it and a few more listened, to 6,500 in my first month. But it wasn't a massive step up because it was the, natu- the natural next step for me because I put in a year or so of, of doing these interviews. Uh, And that helped me make that transition. So, um, you you know, you can then have a, you know, quite a significant step up without lots of extra effort because you've done it one step at a time.
2: And that's the idea that luck is what happens when you're well prepared.
3: Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I can be really lucky about radio shows because like you, I've put in hundreds of hours And now when I call somebody and say, do you want to be interviewed? Usually the answer is yes. I used to be afraid to call someone and ask them to go to lunch. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. introverted and working up the courage took a lot.
3: It's actually surprising. I I can count on one hand the number of people who've said no in the last really six years. Um, People actually quite if you position it in the right way, they're really honoured to be on, and they want to do it, and they see value in doing it. And and you're right; it can take it can take a lot of effort to pluck yourself up to do something that actually is doing someone a huge favour. <laughs> <to it. laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It, but it is, it, you know, it seems like we're both pointing to mu- much of the work is the internal conversation and managing
3: that. Doing the actual work is often the easier part of it that's so important isn't it and I I think if we can we can in this very fast world if we can speed things up a bit like I, I took a photo of a a, a tiger at the zoo and I've got a nice picture of this tiger and I thought if that cage hadn't been there how quickly if it was hungry would it have got from one side of the cage you know to me if and I think that would have been pretty quickly but we often spend so much time procrastinating and thinking should we could we um um And we could save ourselves so much more time if we can put strategies in place that will enable us to get over that hurdle quicker uh, and get into action. Uh, And I think that's um, important. You're right. It's an internal dialogue. It's working with ourselves. But once we've gone and done something once, then it's a bit easier the next time.
2: It is. And knowing that it's an internal job, just that knowledge helps me overcome it. So let's move on to the Stephen
3: Sutton story. Can you tell us that story from your book? Well, I just wanted to to mention Stephen Sutton, um, because Stephen, and we mentioned him in the book, and Stephen was a wonderful young man. He was 19 years old when he, I think it was just about a day before his 20th birthday, when he died from teenage cancer. And Stephen used to, when I was the president of the Speaking Association in my local region, he would he would come along, and uh, he in his last last twelve months, he uh, he decided that he wanted to uh, initially achieve a bucket list of, of things. So he was started doing things like you know jumping out of aeroplanes and you know doing some things, running for charity, and he ended up speaking at um, enormous venues and things, and making all sorts of interesting celebrity sort of friends. But he, he then um, decided that he wanted to shift his focus away from him him doing a bucket list to raising money for teenage cancer and when he died he'd raised about six million pounds and um Stephen, i interviewed him just three days before he put his final message on facebook and he apologized to me because he he said he, he because he was a bit croaky Uh, and uh, he said he had a cold, bless him. He knew he didn't have a cold, and I said it was okay. You're supposed to be ill. ill." Um, But he he said to me, he said this. He said, Chris, he said, could you pass this message on to people? He said, I have got cancer, and cancer has given me so much motivation, Um, but I have so little time. He said, but I look out there, and I see so many people with so much time but so little motivation. Chris, um, just let them know that it's important to make every second count. So in that vein, making every second count, what's next for you, Chris? For me, um, I think, you know, for me, it's a, the next an intention. I've achieved many of my in, intentions. Uh, uh, but the one thing that I want to achieve is to create a business and leave a, a business sort of legacy that I'm really, really proud of so we're starting to grow and whereas in my first uh, few years of being on my own with the family I wanted just to um, I wanted just to do uh, work without a team we're now building a, a really great team and um, so for me it's important to build a business and, and add you know, a real kind of legacy by helping more leaders to uh, become more engaging and teams to develop and grow uh, and, uh, and also to speak at more events, more conferences around things like engagement, which I just think is so important. We, we share that bond, um, just performance improves. When the magic of engagement is present, but people are happier, more fulfilled, they have a greater sense of well-being. So for me, um, engagement is really important, and helping people to obviously, of course, to, you know, take big action and make a difference in, the, in this complex world that needs people who um, who are prepared to put themselves out there, make a difference for the good of all humanity.
2: That's so inspirational. On the on the heels of make your time count, that your legacy is helping people get engaged and, and doing a bit of what Stephen's talked about uh, across a very, you said a million people that you wanted to impact. It, and I'm wondering if that's even a bigger number now.
3: Well, it has to, we've actually, I think in terms of listeners to the show over the period, we've um, we've actually achieved that. So we need to think about that one uh, further. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah.
2: So, in our last minute, do you have any final messages? And I would invite you to make sure people have your contact information so well, they can you. find you on the show.
3: Well, in terms in terms of time, I think um, I think I'd echo uh, Stephen's point. Let's make every second count, every minute count. And and I want you to think about your intentions and and, and actually be really clear about what's really important. Not what maybe your your you know other people might think is important for you. Decide what's important for you, the difference that you want to make in this world, and go out there make it happen. Put strategies in place that mean that you you can't wiggle out of uh, <laughs> because it's difficult. Um, just as in terms of my contact details, I'm um, Chris. Uh, chriscooper.co.uk www.chriscooper.co.uk and if you go there um, you will find information about the show you can also check it out by going to voiceamerica.com and putting in chris cooper and and that will bring the entire uh, nearly six-year archive out for you as well so i want to say thank you maureen Thank
2: you, Chris. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. I invite your feedback. Email me at info at metcalf-associates.com or our Facebook page, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We'd love to hear what you're
3: thinking. And thanks again, Chris. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Maureen. Thanks.
1: Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel.